0: are back with another episode of Bully Ball, episode nine. We can call this one the NFC West Champion Edition. I'm Jason DePonte joined by Steph Sanchez. Steph, the 49ers won on Thursday, so this weekend it left me with a lot of time to think about things, right? But sometimes you come to realizations. But I wanted to shoot something your way and just, you know, you you tell me what you think about it. This is something that okay. I was rattling around in my brain when I didn't have a team to root for, and I was just laughing at other teams' pain and as they lost, right? So, you know, the Key and Peele substitute teacher, um, you know, sketch, right? Like where he's mispronouncing yeah. all the names, a. a Ron, D. Nice. Do you want to go to war, Malaki? Okay. Here's my idea. You bring him back. He's obviously fired because he's unhinged as a substitute teacher, but now he's working at Starbucks, trying to read people's names as they've given the order away. And he's saying all the wrong names. Jay Quellen. No Jay Quellen here. What do you think about that idea?
1: Okay. Where's this yeah, going? Yeah,
0: th- that's the sketch. I'm just saying that's what that's oh. what I came up with. It has nothing to do with football, and that's exactly oh. what I came up with. I was like, <laughs> okay,
1: we... whose name is he gonna say?
0: <laughs> I mean, it it doesn't matter. I mean, he fumbles the easiest names: D Nice, J Quellen, A A Ron. So now imagine he is in a Starbucks trying to read people's names, and and you know, people have harder and more difficult names that go to Starbucks oh, yeah. at times. It would I would think that that would be really funny. That's what I came up with this weekend. That was my big realization. If one of y'all. Says some silly ass name.
1: I like that. You know, from because I know you're a Seinfeld fan. So from time uh-huh. to time, like I'd be thinking of Seinfeld episodes in my head, too. Do you ever do that?
0: Yes, like, of course.
1: This would make a great episode. Yeah.
0: There's an account, um, Seinfeld 2000. But I all right, enough. <laughs> enough. All right. I just wanted to make sure we started with something different. But Steph, the San Francisco 49ers are NFC West champs again. This is the th- the last two times they've done it. They've gone to the Super Bowl. This one feels a little bit more special given the circumstances, given it being in Seattle. What were your overall takeaways early on from this one?
1: Well, anytime you win in Seattle, it's a big deal, right? Going into that game, they had only won 10 of the previous 11. Or sorry, they had only won one of the previous 11 matchups against Seattle. Uh, so anytime you can do it on their home field, it makes it all the more sweeter and it just had to be done. Right. Because to me, the Seahawks are nowhere near the level that the 49ers are on right now, and they had to get it done. They got it done. I'm just so happy to get that over with. It feels like a monkey is off the back of the 49ers, at least for now, you know, there's still work to be done, but that was a big step in the right direction.
0: It always feels like whenever we start to grade 49ers teams is the last litmus test is Seattle, right? 2019, it was literally the last one, right? Green sure. Greenlaw stop. Now we're like, whoa, this team is ready to go. Obviously, you can't compare that Seattle team to this Seattle team. I would argue that team was better, but it's yep. still exercising demons. And then when you think about it with the third string quarterback, hostile environment, national television, I want to say something before we actually get into the game. The boombox thing is so electric. Have can your left tackle come out and and just drip so hard and so effortlessly, like and then Jimmy Ward is grabbing signs and ripping them in half and stepping all over them, and then if anybody was listening, I believe it's if I don't know if it's NFL Films or if it was Amazon directly, listening to Fred Warner hype the team up and say mm-hmm. we hate these boys, you know we hate these motherfuckers. Like for him to be able to say that, like it just it just encapsulates. What 49ers fans have been feeling. These guys get it. Even if they haven't been here for all of those other times that that the 49ers have had their hearts ripped out, this team understood what was in front of them and they and they took they took it to the task like perfectly. And and I love that. That just shows they are like, you know, they are feeling the fans' frustrations when it comes to facing the Seattle Seahawks.
1: Thank God. Thank God, man, because like all the other times, like the hardball years, we used to face the Seahawks. I'm like, they must be so frustrated. Let's just take all that frustration and apply it to the game. And they could never just get over that hump and like finally to just see it in this game. And, and a couple years ago as well in 2019, Anytime it happens, even if it's not often, Jay, like it, it feels great. Feels yes. great, baby.
0: That's right. Speaking of feels great, George Kittle wrote on his shirt, feels great, baby, after the game. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. But one other thing to kind of talk about the rivalry, George Kittle said that he remembered in 2019 Joe Staley walking off the field crying. Again, like these guys, while there are not many holdovers from those teams, they feel it. They know. They know exactly mm-hmm. the gravity of this moment, what they had in front of them, and they took care of business. So as George Kittle's wearing this shirt, he's sitting next to his new quarterback, one, Steph. Brock Purdy went into Seattle and he looked like he had been there year after year after year, like it was his fifth year. I mean, how how much more can we say about this kid?
1: I wonder if, the, if it's the fact that he hadn't been there before and all those really rough times that like he didn't have really any frame of reference for going into Seattle. All he knew was he's heard that it's loud and he was like, OK, well, I've played in Oklahoma before, too, which in those games, the noise didn't seem to phase him. He still had some good games and was able to, you know, put up some yardage and touchdowns there as well. And it kind of just became the same thing in Seattle. I mean, I was concerned about, you know, the noise being a factor. I was concerned about how the Seattle defense was going to attack Purdy, you know, given that the previous two weeks, he was getting blitz a lot. He was beating blitzes, but you know, the way that the Seahawks defend is a little bit different. He had to beat coverage a little bit and, Yeah, it slowed him down a little bit, but I would say he did pretty well, Jay. I mean, and since taking over Jimmy Garoppolo, he's accounted for 612 passing yards, six touchdowns, just an interception, and a 69% completion percentage. That's nice.
0: That's pretty nice. (laughs) But You know what's funny is the, the noise thing, right? And sometimes the noise is so loud in those college football games that the the stadium is shaking because there's like 120,000 people there, right? Now, we know the acoustics over there, you know, in Lumenfield. You, you, obviously, you can't make calls right on the field, anything like that. He felt like he was prepared. And what I walked away with was, again, unflappable, you know? And, and it seemed like for me th- during points in this game, because he starts the game 10 for 10 and then yes. he 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 hits a little patch where you know uh, he has a dropped interception but you know what a dropped interception is it's called an incompletion it's not a, there's no stat for dropped interception by the way guys you know it just seems that that only matters for 49ers quarterbacks no matter who they are oh he threw a dropped interception yeah it's an incompletion that's what it's called but he was i think bothered by the oblique a little bit more than was let on a little bit like and I and i felt like that was impressive as well that he was able to fight through that and operate this offense. A lot of a lot of credit to Kyle Shanahan who, you know, we're going to keep cooking because coaches coaches on fire right now, man. But Purdy had a command on it. A lot of the success was due to this new guy that the 49ers traded for. I had never heard of him before the 49ers traded for him. So I was a little skeptical about what they gave away. I'm talking about Christian McCaffrey. And what's funny is when you look at the offensive success since he's been fully integrated. First of all, since he's been fully integrated, the 49ers have not lost a game. But they've been rising as he's mm-hmm. been there. And his effect on the field, his his what we, what are what draws people to him is so big because it gets other guys open and he's able to make plays. I am going to go overboard a little bit here and say I'm okay with the trade. I'm okay with the trade, like with Just all okay. those picks and everything. Yeah, I, I'm all right with it. It's all right. I think a lot of people, you know, they love their third round picks. They can sometimes be Jalen Hurd. They can sometimes be Trey Sermon. I mean, who wouldn't want a chance to try to get those guys, right? But instead, you had this Christian McCaffrey guy who's able to step in. Debo Samuel gets injured. Steph, Christian McCaffrey, balling out of control, right?
1: I hope people know that, that Jay's being sarcastic there because, like you know, sometimes those things just go over people's heads. But... Yeah, they,
0: I, yeah, on Twitter, they're going to be like, hey, he said he wanted Jalen Hurd. I'm like, what? I, like, I'm being I'm being facetious completely. You're getting
1: roasted in the, in yeah, the reviews getting, and shit. Getting <laughs> cooked. <laughs> no, but, I mean, the fact that Debo Samuel can miss this game and this offense just doesn't miss a beat at all, I think tells you how much McCaffrey – brings to this offense because he could do so many different things. And I I read this stat earlier since week eight with McCaffrey playing in a full-time role, the 49ers are first in offensive DVOA and defensive DVOA. And for those of you who don't know what DVOA means, like don't feel bad. I forget a couple of times every season. In fact, I'm only repeating it now in hopes that it'll just like get locked into my core memories and I won't forget ever again but it is a it's a percentage metric that looks at basically every single play from every single team and compares it to a league average and is adjusted based on different things and if you care to know what those things are it's on uh, footballoutsiders.com they have a great definition and all that that's basically where i got my definition of it just now but basically the percentage value is how much better or worse the team is compared to the league average. The 49ers are 60% overall DVOA. They are 60% better than the league average. That's insane. And I only say that because I think a lot of that is because of Christian McCaffrey. He has four touchdowns in the last three games. And I can point to at least three big plays from Thursday that were made possible just by the attention that McCaffrey garners, including both of Kittle's touchdowns. And yeah, you you were talking about it just a bit ago. And I've seen people calling it his gravitational pull, which I like that. That's clever. That's a really great way of describing it. And there aren't a lot of players in the NFL who get that much respect from defenses. And it's because he's so dangerous at literally every level of the field. They have no choice but to respect it.
0: Right. And a lot of people were concerned with well, you should be using Jordan Mason. But I would push back on that and say when something's working and you've traded all that for that guy, yes, you want to keep him healthy. But you also have a bunch of days off with a mini bye week. I mean, I literally just mm-hmm. came up with a Key and Peel sketch in my head this weekend. That's how bored I was. So imagine what Christian McCaffrey's probably doing. He's hanging out chilling. So he he has to play again next Saturday. So you have to figure that his long layoff in terms of days off probably factor into the account of, you know, how much how many touches he got and also. It's pretty damn good, and and there's no reason to go away from it as long as as you're not putting him in harm's way, which Kyle Shanahan did not do. And let's talk about, Coach. First of all, I want to say if you guys are listening, make sure you guys are subscribed to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Drop those five-star reviews so we can read them. Steph, Kyle Shanahan in the Coach of the Year discussion, on his third quarterback, back-to-back winning seasons, back-to-back playoff seasons, I mean – i usually this is where i just start yelling steph i'm gonna let you cook
1: (laughs) oh thank you thank you uh for letting me go first because yeah sometimes it's tough going after like you (laughs) you cook i ain't gonna lie um but no we've been talking about this since uh bully ball started right like i feel like it was a discussion even in our first episode or something and kyle's been narrative busting all season and jay i think you wrote an article about this right that he's just busting narratives And in the early going of the season, we did critique Shanahan for underperforming with this group, and that did still happen, right? But the point is, he got back to 500 all all-time record as 49ers head coach, and he hasn't looked back since then. But what he's had to deal with to do that, I think, is what people are forgetting. He turned this thing around with his backup quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo. He's dealt with several injuries along the way. Yeah, the 49ers did trade for McCaffrey, who is basically, like, made in a lab, tailor-made for this offense, who, so, by the way, credit for John Lynch, so maybe we need to also start talking about Lynch getting some consideration for exec of the year. I don't know mm-hmm. that maybe that's, yeah. that's a topic for another day, but mm-hmm. you know, Kyle Shanahan is using McCaffrey to perfection and they are on a win streak and their playoff seating is looking up. We'll talk about that more in a bit. And then Garoppolo gets hurt and you think, well, sh-. like this is it. This is the end. It was nice while it lasted is Brock Purdy time. Let's just see what he has, you know? Yeah except that they continue to win with the third string quarterback, who by the way is a rookie, who by the way was the last pick in the draft. That's just unheard of. I mean, who does that? Yeah. My coach Kyle Shanahan, (laughs) but you're not supposed to be able to do that. You know, Right. and I honestly think people aren't even considering all of this just because the 49ers have stayed good that it's not even, people aren't even thinking twice about it, but no team right now is looking better than the 49ers. And also some of these other teams whose coaches have been propped up as coach of the year candidates for most of the season their teams are starting to regress now a little bit you know they started hot now it's starting to flatten out Cal Shanahan started flat but now his team is getting hot so I don't I don't think one is better than the other mm-hmm. but I do think there are a few coaches that I agree like should Should be in the conversation, you know, Sirianni, Dan Campbell. I like Dan Campbell, what he's doing with the Lions. But my point is, why not Kyle? Like, And I'm not going to bang the table and say he needs to, you know, win. And if he doesn't, we riot. I just think he simply needs to be part of the conversation yeah. he needs to be considered at the yeah. very least that's all we're saying
0: yeah hundred percent I don't think he'll win it I think Sirianni's got that locked up I mean unless now with Jalen Hurts injury and he gets blamed for it they they turn the, the page on that but you know Brian Dabble is somebody that it could be it's uh you know Robert Sala deserves consideration Mike McDaniel does, a lot of good coaches this year a lot of good coaches but you know for Kyle Shanahan haters you only have one last thing now win the biggest game and i kind of wanted to touch on that because i think people just automatically think that you know you're labeled a genius you have this roster this is what's going to happen right well there's only seven or eight active head coaches that have won a super bowl andy reed got his at the end of his career when patrick mahomes showed up mike tomlin has been to two he's won one he lost the other two mike mccarthy mike mccarthy has never sniffed another Super Bowl again. John Harbaugh won a Super Bowl. Sorry 49ers fans, and he's never been back. Uh Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's the Jaguars coach now. Bill Belichick, he's the GOAT. I get it, but he's lost some too. So again, it's like this whole thing about well you've got to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, 31 teams don't win a Super Bowl. I think you are underlying or overlooking how hard it is to win a Super Bowl. And the fact that these fine coaches Many of them find coaches. I don't consider Mike McCarthy that, but you know, either way, like Harbaugh, Tomlin, all of them have mm-hmm. won, just won, and they never get back. I think that a lot of people are just now. This is your la- this is all you have left now. At this point, what you need to figure out now is this: Kashana is not going anywhere. Settle in, settle in, and buckle up because now it's it's the, any talk of him being fired was something that was fan generated, Twitter generated anyway. But now you're looking at back-to-back results like this, and what they built, the culture they built. They've been able to integrate players. Whoever comes in, they settle into the culture. Whoever leaves, they end up not having good, good um, seasons, and they come right back. I.e., Kerry Hyder. There's a lot of a lot of things that you need to point to with this culture and what they've built. Kyle has not going anywhere. It's my coach, man. You got to just get used to it. And if you're not, then you're playing this game of I need him to fail so I'm right. So the last thing he needs to do is win a Super Bowl. He does that. Then everybody has to get on board. But my point is, people assume that it's super easy to do that, yet it's not. I mean, again, Andy Reid was known for a long time as the guy who couldn't manage a clock, get it done at the end of games, right? Oh, in the big game, oh, starting to sound, you know, he's a Hall of Fame coach. Like, everybody gets it a different way. Just because Kyle was anointed a genius early on, which I still think he is, that doesn't mean that his timeline should change. If all of these other coaches, I mean, Belichick won his in his seventh season, I believe, Um, you know, like Tomlin, like I said, hasn't been back. You have to start to properly contextualize and and put into perspective coaches winning Super Bowls and how hard it is. But absolutely, Kyle Shanahan deserves coach of the year discussion. And I don't think he'll get it, but I'd like to see some votes up there for him. Speaking of awards, this one is much more like smash the table, right? I think this one we're talking about Nick Bosa nick bosa um yeah this we we should name this episode steph cooks because i'm just gonna pass it off again like there's there's another there's another person in steph's crosshairs you know steph if i ever do anything to cross you please let me know ahead of time so i do not end up on this list i mean you sent over the topics and, you, and it's cook and cook and i'm like my goodness steph of course, the
1: <laughs> well look okay I, I also need people to understand that our cooks are uh, equal opportunity. Like last week, it was Jerry Rice. Today, yep. it it's Emmanuel show. I'll get into that. But Nick Bosa should be DPOI because through 13 games, he leads the league in sacks, pressures, quarterback hits, penalties drawn. He's second in pass rush win rate. He's third in pass rushing productivity. And as of this morning, Nick Bosa is now Bet MGM's favorite for DPOI, and that's because. Everyone is finally seeing what we're seeing. And on Thursday, Nick Bosa was playing with his hair on fire. That is undeniable. And it's because, I think, because he didn't get a sack the previous week on Tom Brady, he came so close, and you could just tell he was just itching for one, um, especially in that first half. He had six straight weeks of getting at least one sack prior to that, by the way, prior to not having a sack against uh, the Bucs. And so you can tell that he just wanted to sack so bad. And I'm going to make a very terrible analogy. It might be a good analogy, but I, I think there could be better ones to make. But he, here's what I'm going to say. Because I watch a lot of, like, uh, uh, serial killer documentaries, Jay. Okay. You know, because mm-hmm. I am a woman after all. I like those. <laughs> and uh, Nick Bosa kind of reminds me of, on Thursday, he reminded me of, like, you know, when a serial killer hasn't killed in a long time and they're just itching to like kill again, you know, because it's just like their instinct. They they just they just have to, you know, they got this innate urge to to kill people. So it, it, the more time that goes without them killing someone, you know, that that urge just gets worse. So that's what Nick Bosa looked like to me on Thursday trying to get that sack. He he was like a man possessed, and and I don't know how anyone can watch that game. Acho, so, here's what Acho said, for those of Let's you go. that don't know. Let's go. He said that Bosa is not a high-effort player, and he doesn't make big plays in big moments. Do, do you even watch the 49ers? Do you even watch him play, or do you just watch highlights or just look at the stats? I just hope that he was watching on Thursday because – I hope it was a moment of clarity for him because I don't know how anyone can watch that game on Thursday and think that Bosa doesn't deserve to be DPOI.
0: I mean, she's cooking. I want to kind of circle back on the serial killer thing because it, it's not just women. Because I think there's a fascination with watching these things at the end. It's like right before we go to bed. This is how we're gonna unwind. We're gonna watch a a documentary about a man who like went across the country. And it's like it's this fascination. And then also when you you take into the fact that Nick Bose is very soft spoken. You know what they say about the quiet mm-hmm. ones, right? So I think I think you're onto something there. I think you're really onto something there. But yeah, look, uh, the Nick Bosa, Michael Parsons thing. This is basically going to come down to East Coast bias or, you know, like as being on the East Coast, right? You know, usually if a Yankee is in in the discussion, right? You know, you had Otani mm-hmm. and, and Judge, right? For MVP, guess what? Judge wins. Okay, East Coast bias. Now, Michael Parsons plays for Dallas. That's not East Coast. But this would be more West Coast bias if this was something that happened. By the way, Michael Parsons had a very, very good game against the Jaguars. I think he has something like 12 pressures no, he's, and two sacks. He's good. So he's he's incredible. Like, let's let's yes. say that. I know you don't want to hear that either. Yeah. But I do think it is Nick Bosa. When you look at certain points in this season, Armstead not playing, Ebu being out, him having to be the guy who constantly wins. Like you said, pass rush, pass rush win, win rate. To be that guy he's just coming into his own and it seems like every single year that he's out there, he's just getting better. And that's scary. Mm -hmm. I think Richard Sherman spoke to the fact that he's nowhere near his ceiling. He's scratching the surface. This is, this is all scary, scary hours for everybody else at this point. And that man is going to get paid and he deserves every single dollar this game against the Seahawks. The score may look close, but this game never was close and it never felt close at all. Like it felt Mm -hmm. like there was, there was a sizable difference the talent on both sides and the coaching sorry Pete Carroll you got worked and I love that I love that for you I love that for us I love that for 49ers fans but that's what this game felt like it like that score is not indicative of how this game was the 49ers defense was incredible uh again Jimmy Ward had had himself a great game you know the offense made the plays when they needed to It, it just this felt like one of the more complete wins you know kicker didn't make the kick but hey whatever we're just splitting hairs here now at this point um i only bring that up because every time robbie gold misses a kick they're like they're just like waiting for me to say something and i'm like guys i don't want him to miss kicks like i'm sorry like <laughs> I've, i i like i don't i don't i don't want to further my agenda at the expense of the 49ers missing right. points on the field like I, i'm i am not that hard-headed but yeah this felt like a game where the 49ers established themselves and maybe they're starting to separate themselves from the Seattle Seahawks because it's always been so close. It's always been, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're here, they're there. Like, like even in 2019, it came down to the last moment. It always felt like they're always like right around the corner. Well, the boogeyman might be down for the count this time. You know, unfortunately the Denver Broncos continue to help out the Seattle Seahawks. The more they lose, the higher that pick's going to be. So Seattle will get to load up even more highway robbery of a trade. And they smashed last year's uh draft as well. So, Maybe they're on their way to coming back. They're just gonna build the right way. It's just it doesn't feel like I mean there was a rumor I read today about that Pete Carroll, they want him to be out. Um, so I don't know. You know, like there it this does feel like a weird transition period for Seattle because a lot of the faces that tormented the 49ers are not there anymore. No Bobby Wagner, no Russell Wilson, you know, those guys like now this feels like the 49ers are separating themselves and just getting them away from the and then I, I don't wanna see the Seattle Seahawks anymore at this point. NFC seating has changed this entire weekend. Had a chance to change a little bit more. Thank you, Indianapolis Colts. Ultimate, supreme, choke job. 33 to nothing, lead, blown. Unreal. Um, it's a good thing the Colts exhausted all of their coaching um, options before going to Jeff Saturday. Oh, wait, they didn't, and they just went with a guy that they like in that building, and it kind of showed in that game. I mean, down the stretch of that game, the Matt Ryan had 66 passing yards, I think, on like 25 dropbacks. That is ridiculously bad against a really bad defense. The Minnesota Vikings don't scare anybody, by the way. No way mm-hmm. you should have got down 33-0. Dallas Cowboys lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, well, well, you better watch out for the Cowboys. Almost 70 points back-to-back weeks against the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? Philadelphia, they take care of business, but now Jalen Hurts is injured. Here's how I'm going to pose this one to you, Steph. All the Eagles have to do is win one more game, one more game, and they secure their bye. But it looks like it may be Gardner Minshew going forward for the rest of the season. Who's on their schedule? The Cowboys next division game. The Saints, they have a very good defense. And the New York Giants, who might be playing for their lives. Steph, there's a large discussion about should you rest your guys? Should you? What do the 49ers do here with these circumstances in front of them? I think you I don't think you can take any days off and I don't think you can rest anybody.
1: No, the 49ers aren't in a position to to rest anyone. You always have to fight for that top two seating because that's invaluable right there to be able to potentially, um, you know, have a bye going into the playoffs. Oh, and and that's that's really what the 49ers should be striving for and seeing as how the Vikings have been playing as of late it looks very much attainable and they need to they need to play for it you know so I don't know how things are gonna shake out with the Eagles I mean yeah maybe the number one seed it, it, that's possible but that's a long shot in my opinion I think uh the number two seed is much more likely because the the Vikings have the Giants Packers and the Bears. All of those games, seeing how they've been playing these last two weeks, all those games could potentially be a loss uh, for the Vikings if they're not careful.
0: This is why you can't, because you know, again, you want to make it where you have all home games before you have to go to Philly. If that's the case, right? And I think that's smart. And I and and it doesn't matter who's who's in there. Is it the Detroit Lions that you you get to face? Is it the the New York Giants? Is it the Washington Commanders who the 49ers actually meet on Christmas Eve on Saturday lost actually to the New York Giants that last that last few playoff spots in the NFC shaking out to be really interesting man I think if the NFL is out here rigging games like everybody's talking about like which I think is nonsense then why wouldn't you rig it so the Detroit Lions can slide in after being on hard knocks and being this team that everybody laughed at? Like if, if the NFL really cared about storylines, this is how you do it. You get Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions in there, but the Washington Commanders do come in on Saturday. Chase Young might play in this game. So this may be the first time that we've seen him. The Commanders have won a few games here and there. They lost to the Giants last night. Didn't really get to pay attention to that game as I passed out very early because I'm an old man and it's on the East coast. and I'm not staying up for that, but, what are your initial thoughts on Washington on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I mean, I initially was kind of worried about this game just because I think the Commanders' defense is pretty good. Like, they're underrated. Uh, you mentioned they're getting Chase Young back. So it'll be another challenge for pretty. But I know this offense has some good playmakers as well in McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. But... Uh, what I what I think the equalizer is going to be is this 49ers pass rush because they are struggling against the Giants pass rush Sunday yeah. night. And, Jay, are the Giants the best defense in the league?
0: Nope.
1: Right, because who is?
0: The Santa Clara 49ers. No. <laughs> 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 the-
1: 49ers, it's going to be scary hours for Heineke. And I'm not sure that that offensive line is ready for it. I'm not sure Heineke is the type of quarterback who can, you know, make plays out of his ass when his offensive line is is not, you know, um, covering for him. So even if our offense struggles a little bit, our defense should be able to provide this team with the opportunities to win on a silver platter. And, and that's – to me, just the difference between the commander's offense going up against the 49ers defense and, and the opposite, the, the 49ers defense going up against the commander's offense. Did I say that right?
0: I, Rob will fix it, man. He's, he's, he's back there listening.
1: The commander's offense going up against the 49ers defense and the opposite, the, the 49ers offense going up against the commander's defense. Did I say that right?
0: Another reason that you can't rest anybody too, and this has little, to, like little, to do with seating is, Brock Purdy is still very green right now in, in terms of his, mm. in terms of the the chemistry that he's trying to build. So I don't think that you yeah. can afford, you know, unless this thing is completely out of hand in Week 18, I don't think you can afford to take reps away from him and this offense while they're still trying. Like, look, we all love what they're doing, but it, it would not be smart for them to disrupt what's been building. You know, just because you think you want to rest some players. I think that's look, they're football players that get paid to, to play football. They want to play football. And if in week 18, this is out of hand and they have it. Cool. I understand that portion of it. Maybe get them in, get them out a series, whatever it is. But this idea of we've well, got to rest guys just so they could be healthy. You know, everybody doesn't like it when coach plays scared, you know, air quotes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's coaching scared, too, as well. Like you, you got to you got to kind of do what's best for the team and you have to have a feel for your team. Do you feel like your team is gelling and they're 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 at their optimal position then you've got to make that decision based on the feel and what they've been doing. So yeah, that's another reason that you can't really rest anybody aside from the fact that you do want to secure every home game you can before you have to go to Philly and who knows? Someone could knock Philly off. You never know, right? Yeah. Someone beat someone yeah. beats Philly, guess what? Everybody has to come to Santa Clara now and you don't have to leave the West Coast. For almost six, seven weeks, right? Because they, they don't have to leave the rest of this time until the end. And then if they stay in the second seed, they'll be there. So they're doing a good job. They don't they don't have to worry about travel as much. That's good for returning players. Hello, Javon Kinlaw. I mean, this team is about to get Javon Kinlaw back. I mean, like, you have to be able to get these guys up to speed. So you're in the optimal spot when you get to the playoffs.
1: It's all about that because that's what gives you the advantage going into the playoffs. So yes, they ha- absolutely have to play for that. And, you know, going back to, to your point of, you know, Brock Purdy, you know, needing these reps because, you know, after all, he's only played three games with this team um, and in that game against the Bucks, I, I felt like Kyle Shanahan kept them in, even when the game was like pretty much over because he wanted Brock Purdy to, to get those extra reps with his guys. So I, I don't see Kyle Shanahan resting any of these guys, um, you know, down these last few games, real quick question for you, Jay, though, if the 49ers have a playoff game in Philly, would you go to Philly to watch that? Nope. Game?
0: No questions <laughs> asked. No questions asked. I live. You would 90 go? Ni- yes. I live 90 minutes away. I would drive. Now nah, we, be we scared. went, we went last year to week three, week two, right after the Detroit game. Um, Niners went in there. to handle business. The Eagles fans tried to talk a little bit, but it was nothing. I mean, I think I think the energy. Yeah, right. Well, they I saw that, how
1: tall you were in there, like. Nah, no, it
0: wasn't me. Not. I was with Croc, and he was he was being a menace oh, yeah. there. Just uh, <laughs> but no, it, it. I think um, at any game, right? I think the energy you exude is what you'll get back. If you're sitting there and you're just like rooting for your team, and I I, I, I maybe I'm being yeah. naive, but I generally believe in if you're being obnoxious, if you're antagonizing fans in that building, everybody's hammered with a with a a chance to go to the Super Bowl, then you're generally asking for, for trouble. But if you're at the game and you're doing your thing and you're just like, you're not bothering anybody, just rooting for your team. I had conversations with Eagles fans where I said, hey, listen, I like this and this guy on your team, very rational, very normal. None hey, of these you. guys.
1: Butter them up a little bit.
0: No, nah, yeah, that's it. That's what you got to do. You got to do like Like, you know, when you're in enemy territories, Kill them with kindness. That's the best way to do it. So, um, yeah, I would definitely be there for that game. Kind of rooting for it because then the tickets, the tickets. because when I have to go to San Francisco or Santa Clara, it's tickets for the game, flight, where am I staying, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Like, for me to yeah. just be able to drive there, like I would just go for the weekend in Philly because it's one of my favorite towns as well, too. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you're subscribed to the Niners Nation Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you leave that five-star review so we can read it on here. Make sure you follow Steph on Twitter, at Steph49K. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at jasonaponte 2103 For Steph, for Jay, we're out of here.